to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, Dr. Aviva here. And there's something really important I want to talk with you about today. And that's not just Hashimoto's, which I've been talking about a lot as my new book is about to come out, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, which if you haven't gotten your copy yet, please do, because we are on the brink of a New York Times bestseller, and every book counts. And why is this so important to me? Well, I'm an established medical doctor with a great career. Being a New York Times bestseller doesn't change that for me. But what it does do is it means that this book is going to get out in front of media and the medical establishment. They're going to see there's a Yale-trained MD talking about this, and we can lift our voices together and make change. And if you are interested in Hashimoto's and want to hear more about how we can take care of ourselves and what our body's trying to tell us, please make sure to drop a comment over on iTunes and share this with other women and make sure to like it on my page so I know that you've been here and you want to hear more. So there are six things that Hashimoto's is trying to tell us. Now, what do I mean by that? What do you mean, what is Hashimoto's trying to tell me? Hashimoto's is trying to tell me that I need to go to the doctor and get a diagnosis or telling me that something's wrong or I have a medical problem. Well, we have to look deeper, I believe, when our bodies are struggling with symptoms. It's so tempting to just want to get a fix. And I understand that. I understand having a symptom that you just don't want to deal with anymore. I understand wanting a medication, wanting a treatment, wanting an answer right now. But often we get stuck in naming a disease and treating a disease. And this is actually the biggest problem with the medical establishment. All it does is wait for the disease to actually become diagnosable. Give it a diagnosis code and the appropriate treatment. It's like um, it's like an assembly line or just kind of like a rubber stamping factory. Okay, we've got these symptoms. Now it can be diagnosed because the labs show that it's high enough and now we've got a name for it. And now boom, here's the one or two or three medications that are approved for treatment. And I get it. Having a diagnosis is such a relief when you've been struggling with something for so long, particularly if you've been struggling it like so many women for years without getting any answers. But I'd really love to encourage us as women to not get stuck just on the disease name or even on the medical treatment, though those can be very important. I want us to look underneath at what's really going on and what is our body saying in the symptoms that make up a medical condition, in the symptoms that are impacting your life, and in what's going on in your body that's driving those symptoms and what's going on in our world that's driving our body to create those symptoms. So there are six big things that I find that Hashimoto's is trying to tell us. The first is that our body thinks it's in an emergency. What does that mean? Well, what happens in your body is that you have a very primitive survival system 
and it starts in your brain and it works its way all the way through two organs. You've probably heard me talking about if you've been following me for the past six months because I've been working on a book that talks about these two organs and those are called the adrenal glands. So this system starts in your brain and works its way through your adrenal glands, which are the endpoint emergency response system that send out the hormones and chemicals that your body needs to respond to an emergency and to keep you safe and keep you healthy. Your brain can perceive that you're in an emergency due to any number of challenges. It can be a real emergency like a fire or smoke, or you hear noises in your house at night and your fear alarm level in yourself goes up and thinks maybe there's an intruder. It can be a momentary thing that happens, for example, where you see your toddler kick a ball and start to run out into the street when you're talking to a neighbor just 10 feet away. But that feeling of like, you know, your kid's about to run in the street and that lurch you get in your heart and your muscles tense up and you're ready to spring into action. But it can also be more chronic emergencies. Those quick emergencies, they happen. Did you hear me snap? I snapped. They happen and they're done and your body goes back into a calm state. But for most of us, myself included, we are being triggered chronically and constantly as if there are small emergencies, little tiny fires that we're putting out. Do you ever feel that way? Like you're just putting out one fire after another at home, at work, in your life, with your loved ones, with people you have to take care of, friendship dramas, financial dramas. These are all the little fires that our brain is perceiving as tiny little emergencies. The other thing that your brain perceives as a tiny little emergency is when you're not eating enough or when you're not getting enough nutrition or when you're getting exposed to chronic inflammation. Inflammation is like little fires that your body's trying to put out on the inside all the time. All of these little triggers add up and they tell your body that you're in an emergency. Now, remember I said your your adrenals pump out two chemicals. One is a neurotransmitter called adrenaline. That's what gives you the fight or flight response. But the other is a much more of a backup emergency hormone that's just as important and it's called cortisol. And one of the things cortisol does is it acts as a messenger to every cell in your body to tell your body when things are safe and they can go into action or when there's a little bit of danger or a lot of chronic danger and we need to hit the brakes. Now, the most important and significant way that your body knows to hit the brakes is by turning down its expenditure of energy. It's going to save energy so that if you need it for fighting infection or repairing your muscles after you've fought or had to flee, or if you have a brewing infection, your body's just responding and trying to figure out, well, what's the emergency? So it kind of sends out all the emergency forces at once and says, we need to slow everything down, folks. We've got an emergency here. Let's all step back. Let's all hit the pause button for a minute. But it puts the pause on your thyroid. So cortisol does a number of things in your body that prevent your body from using thyroid hormone actively, whether by converting your free T4 to free T3 or letting your cells use the thyroid hormone you need to do the actions that thyroid hormone does, like help you think clearly and keep your heart rate even and 
burn fuel in the form of metabolism and burning fat and even things like keeping your gut cells in rhythm. So important that you don't get leaky gut. The thyroid's even involved in that. Your hormones, so whether you have regular menstrual cycles or have challenges with fertility or menopausal symptoms or weight gain that you just don't know why you're packing on and can't seem to take off. These are all the ways your body protects you in an emergency and it does that by creating a thyroid turndown. So that's one of the six things that your body's trying to tell you is that you are getting the message all the time or too often that you're in an emergency. It's really quite beautiful because what your thyroid is trying to do, what your body, what your cortisol is trying to do is protect you. So how can we find other ways to give our body and our brain the message that we're safe? Well, one of these is taking time for self-care. Self-care says, I do have time to hit the pause button and I can hit it on purpose instead of my body having to force me to hit it by hitting my thyroid pause button, I'm going to step back. I'm going to take some time for breathing. I'm going to wake up slowly in the morning. I'm going to wind down at night and I'm going to find other ways to deal emotionally and mentally with all the little fires that I have to put out in my life. And I'm going to create a life that has fewer fires in it. So let's talk about that now. According to studies from the American Sleep Study Association, Americans are, and American Psychological Association has done studies as well, Americans, and particularly women, are struggling with fatigue. We are overwhelmed. We are in what has been called an epidemic of overwhelm, in fact, and we are not sleeping well. About 49% of women say they just lay awake at night staring at the ceiling and are having really disrupted sleep. And about 25% more are saying they are having some sleep disruption on some semi-regular basis. So a lot of us are not sleeping well and we're tired. And so what can we do to help our bodies be less tired? Well, one of the most important things we can do is actually get more rhythmic with our sleep cycles, trying to get up in the morning at a regular, similar time every day, trying to go to bed at the same time every night. Now, I get it. You might work a night shift because you're an amazing nurse who's following me, or you're a midwife. There's a really good chance. If you're listening to me, you are a nurse, you are a midwife, or you have one in your life, or you've worked with one, and you know how hard nurses and midwives work. Or maybe you're a medical doctor who works a night shift, or maybe you're a mama who has night shift duty, or maybe you work at a toll or some public transportation. You're a pilot as one of my patients was. She's one of the few women pilots I ever met and is struggling with fatigue. And what happens when we're tired? All kinds of things. We don't sleep well. The more tired you get wired, you're not sleeping well. You crave sugar and coffee all day long. That adds to inflammation. It disrupts your cortisol even more. It keeps you um, really struggling with your weight because you're always battling this this, you know, the, the, the little angel on one shoulder who's saying, stick with your healthy Mediterranean diet or your paleo or autoimmune paleo diet. And the other one on the other shoulder saying, oh my gosh, just eat the sugar and drink the coffee. You're so tired. You didn't sleep all night. You got to focus. You got a plane to fly for goodness sake. You got a patient to take care of. You got a baby to wake up to it in the morning. So, um, we really easily get sabotaged when we're tired too in sticking with our healthy plans, our exercise and our willpower goes out the window. 
What happens when we're so tired? Well, again, your body gets it. Your body is your biggest ally. And remember, your brain and your body are not separated. It's all connected. So your brain goes into that same emergency mode, but now it's because you're exhausted. It's not just because there's an emergency that you're you're picking up on, but because you're exhausted. So how do we do this? We work really diligently to get better sleep. Um, check out my article on circadian rhythm, super important. I'll put the link below. Check out my article also on how not eating enough can make you gain weight because it's going to talk about how to use carbohydrates and how you can, as my friend Alan Christensen used the term, cycle carbohydrates in your diet, which I also teach about in my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, to improve your cortisol balance at night so that that's not impacting your thyroid. Now also, What's really interesting is when your adrenal system is out of whack and you're producing too much cortisol, guess what happens? It blocks a really important chemical that helps us to sleep, melatonin. High cortisol equals low melatonin because it suppresses it. And so we want to really work on getting that cortisol rhythm super healthy, which is what the adrenal thyroid revolution is all about. It is not just for women with adrenal problems. It is not just for women with thyroid problems. It is for all women who are tired, burning the candle at both ends, running on empty, feeling overwhelmed and in overdrive because it's what we need to prevent a problem that is affecting a known 30 million women and at least another 50% more who are running around with, or probably not running at all, but really feeling tired and so not running, who have an unknown, undiagnosed thyroid problem. And that doesn't even include all the women who are heading in that direction because of our modern lifestyles and our, our modern pressures that are on us. Now, Another thing you can do to help with this cortisol melatonin suppression is guess one other thing that suppresses melatonin that we have a ton of easy control over, blue light. Where does blue light come from? Our computers, our Kindles, our smartphones. We're supposed to be exposed to blue light. And that's, when, I mean, when I say blue light, I don't mean a blue light bulb, blue spectrum of light, which is the light that our body is exposed to in the morning and the early part of the day. By evening, our brain is expecting on a biological level to see more red light. But what's emanating from our electronic screens? Blue light. Blue light may be one of the biggest reasons that so many Americans now are struggling with insomnia. It suppresses melatonin. This is really important, not just for your sleep and all the important reasons I talked about sleep. You know, women who aren't getting good sleep, even if they're just losing one hour of sleep a night, so getting about six hours instead of seven, are apt to weigh about five pounds on average more. And all of that extra weight is usually belly fat and fat around our organs, which is producing inflammatory chemicals and other chemicals that I talk about in the book that interfere with your appetite and your sense of fullness when you eat. So if you're struggling with feeling hungry a lot, not quite getting full when you eat or getting full too fast, it could be that you have some disruption in your cortisol. It's one of the common signs that we see. So to recalibrate your melatonin, it's really important to shut down electronics at least 30 minutes before you go to bed. And ideally, don't hate an hour. So not reading on a Kindle, reading a real old-fashioned book with pages, not checking your texts or 
anything on your phone, like checking your Facebook on your phone or your Instagram on your phone within an hour before bed and not getting on your computer. I know it's hard, but I promise you, your life will feel so much better without fatigue all the time and your life will be so much easier. Take it from women who have Hashimoto's. It's a challenging, challenging problem, especially if you're not well controlled with your diet or supplements or medication, you, hormone supplement, you can feel really tired and it can really affect your life. Now, melatonin is not only important for sleep. One of the most important things that's happening while we're sleeping is that our bodies are healing and detoxifying. So when you don't get your normal exposure to melatonin, your risk of brain fog, chronic symptoms of poor detoxification, but also increased risk of breast cancer, as well as cognitive problems in the long run, even dementia, because your brain is actually dumping chemicals while you sleep and melatonin helps with that detoxification process. So super important. So just to recap so far, our body thinks it's an emergency. We're chronically tired. Now, another reason that I want to add as a third reason that we're chronically tired is that we're taking on too much. Now, I'm not saying that Hashimoto's is your fault or any thyroid problem or any medical problem is your fault at all. What I'm saying is we live in a society that demands that we push and we push and we push beyond what we're meant to. We deserve to hit the pause button, but we live in such an achievement-oriented society and it's especially challenging for women because we know that to get the same respect often as men in the workplace, we have to show up. We have to show up earlier, sometimes stay later, sometimes say yes to things that we need to say no to because at the end of the day, we still have to go home and take care of our family and cook dinner and do the housework and get the kids tucked in bed. So we're really burning our candle at both ends. So it's not just that we're fatigued physically, but we're really taking on a lot. One of the things that I talk about in the Adrenal Thyroid Revolution that I feel is so important for us as women to do is get over and stop doing the self-imposed excesses that we don't have to do because we feel like we have to be perfectionists or we have fear of missing out. If we don't say yes, we're not going to be liked. We're not going to get the promotion and we have to not be the good girl. If you haven't read my blog, How Being a Good Girl Can Be Hazardous to Your Health, please do. The link is below. It's one of the most popular blogs I've ever written. I have had women write me and say, I'm pregnant and I'm printing this out for my daughter to read when I get older. But it shows the extreme consequences that can happen when we don't stand up for ourselves and when we don't stand up for each other as women. And it also sheds a light on some pretty significant problems in the medical community that if you're struggling with Hashimoto's or a thyroid problem or any autoimmune disease or chronic illness, you may really find yourself nodding your head or as some women have done, just shedding a few tears in recognition of how women can be so ignored and diminished by the medical community, which is filled with people who are also burning the candle at both ends, burnt out and tired. So as much as we can for step three is to stop doing the things that are leading us into burning excess energy and learning to give ourselves permission to pause and learning our, learning to not take on excess in our lives because we are afraid when we really need to be saying no. The next thing that happens that Hashimoto's is trying to tell us 
is that our immune systems are confused. So what happens with Hashimoto's is that your immune system starts to attack your own cells. This can happen when you are in prolonged SOS. What does SOS stand for? It stands for survival overdrive syndrome. And it's what I call what happens when we're in adrenal overdrive or adrenal depletion, which is what a lot of people are are using the term adrenal fatigue, which isn't quite accurate. And I talk about that in my book. Um, Really important to acknowledge that there is something going on in this system and understand why what we're talking about is adrenal depletion, but it's not truly the adrenals actually getting fatigued. But what's happening is that when, when we're exposed to the chronic effects of this hormone, cortisol, our immune system over time starts to get confused because cortisol, its job is supposed to cool down inflammation. It's supposed to help trigger our immune system to respond to the possibility of infection when we're in that fight or flight mode, should we get injured. So when you're under this chronic low-level stressed out feeling, this chronic low-level feeling of overwhelm, pressure, and like there's always one of those emergencies to take care of or fires to put out, your body is pumping out excess antibodies and something called cytokines, which are chemicals that help with inflammation and fight infection. But some of those over time are also inflammation producing. And also over time, your body's like, I don't get it. Where's the fire? I'm not going to keep pumping out all this cortisol. It's a waste of my water in my fire hose. And it starts to dial back the reaction. So you've got a number of things that are happening. You've got excess cytokines that are being produced running around your body trying to figure out what to attack. What's the virus? What's the bacteria? What do I do? And your body either overproducing or then overproducing and then slowing down its cortisol production. So you're now underproducing it a little bit. And your body can get really confused and it can start to do a number of things. One is you can start to get sick way more often than you used to. So all of a sudden you're getting way more cold sores or you're having a reactivation of your Epstein-Barr virus from mono, or you get a new case of Epstein-Barr virus that you never had in the past because you never had mono and never were infected before. Or you get reactivations of other infections, or you start getting more yeast infections, or urinary tract infections, or colds that you just can't shake, that cold that turns into the bronchitis or pneumonia in the winter. And the other thing that can happen is because of a complex chain of of actions and reactions, when this immune system gets confused, it can start to fight your own cells and you can develop autoimmune disease. On top of that, Epstein-Barr virus can hide in your thyroid cells, or your body can get confused trying to attack the Epstein-Barr virus and attack your thyroid cells. So one of the things that Hashimoto's is trying to tell us is that our immune system is confused. The answers to that, in part, lie in dialing back this survival overdrive syndrome, which you'll learn about in the book. The other thing is that it's really important to recognize, and this kind of segues me into another topic, which is that, which is number five, which is that we're chronically being exposed to environmental toxins. We're being exposed to them in our foods. We're being exposed to them in our environment, in our air, in our water. Now, 
80,000 chemicals are known to be circulating in the environment. Most of those have never been tested for human health and safety. There have been laws in the federal government that have allowed thousands, tens of thousands of chemicals to be grandfathered in without being tested on us. And so we have these 80,000 some odd chemicals circulating around. We have chemicals that are banned and have been banned for 30 years in the United States that in a circle of poison are coming back to us. They were so toxic, they couldn't be used here. So guess what we did? We dumped them on other countries where they were using them for herbicides and pesticides and in industry. But guess what happens? Those bananas that are grown in Honduras, where pesticides that we've banned are still being used, or those pineapples grown in Guatemala, or that coffee that's grown in Ethiopia, or any number of thousands of products that we're getting in our diets every day, carry those residues. On top of it, certain chemicals like persistent organic pesticides in the environment have been found thousands of miles from anywhere they've been used. So pesticides that are being used in Brazil have been identified in in animals that live in the Arctic. And um, so we're really, all of us being exposed. And then on top of it, of those 80,000 chemicals, they're combining in the environment to create new chemicals. So not to be all doomsday and scary, but hey, there's a fire in the movie theater and somebody's got to yell fire. And that's what I'm saying is these chemicals are known to bind to, and it's not just chemicals, it's heavy metals, everything from fluoride in our water to bromide in brominated flour products that like uh, breads that rise or pizza crusts that are used at conventional pizza places and heavy metals that are in our fish, mercury in our fish. These are all getting into our bodies. And guess what? They create chronic inflammation. They interfere with the healthy functioning of our immune system so they can cause autoimmune disease, but they also bind to our thyroids and they impact the production of thyroid hormone, the conversion of inactive thyroid hormone to active thyroid hormone, and the binding of thyroid hormone in your cells. And they also act as direct toxins and poisons to the thyroid amongst other um, organs in our body. So what can you do? Well, I talk about it a lot in the book, and that will be a whole other podcast that I'm going to give you on the toxins that can be affecting your thyroid. But it's important to just start to get aware of it and have a look a look at my blogs on things like how we can reduce our exposure to flame retardants and especially how we can reduce our exposure before we conceive when we're pregnant and how we can help our children reduce their exposures like flame retardants in pajamas or in our computer keyboards, our furnitures, our carpeting, our mattresses, our baby boppies and car seats. You know, we can't reduce everything. And I don't want us to feel like Chicken Little running around saying the sky is falling. But it is really important that we recognize the magnitude of the problem and do everything we can within our control in our personal environment. So for example, going to the Environmental Working Group website, which is ewg.org, and learn about the Clean 15, the foods that you can eat without worrying about breaking your bank on organic, and the Dirty Dozen, the foods that you should never eat unless they're organic because they are so heavily contaminated with toxins that can affect your health and directly affect your thyroid health. Don't eat any 
fish that are high in mercury. Now, all fish, for the most part, that are ocean caught are going, and even lake and river caught are going to have some mercury. In fact, there's some. I live in a pristine part of the country. It's gorgeous, and if you if you came here, you wouldn't believe that the lakes here that most people are swimming in and canoeing in and kayaking actually have signs that say, do not eat the fish from these lakes if you are pregnant or breastfeeding and do not swim in these waters if you are pregnant. And if you're not pregnant, don't eat from this more than X, Y, Z times you know, in a, in a month because they are so heavily contaminated with industrial pesticides, industrial, I'm sorry, chemicals, industrial toxins, including mercury from factories that were here 50 and 60 and and more years ago. So it's really important that we keep our eyes open. So fish can be contaminated from lakes, rivers, and oceans, and go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium or the NRDC, the National Resources Defense Council, either of those two websites. For the Monterey Bay Aquarium, it's really easy. You just look up the Safe Fish Watch and you'll get, actually, you can get a printable or downloadable card that you can even put in your handbag, your backpack, or, or your, you know, give it to your partner to put if it's a guy in his wallet or her wallet so that, you know, if you've got kids and, and you've got family taking kids out, you've got friends who are pregnant, you can give it to them to learn which fish are the ones you should really avoid and which ones are okay to eat on an occasional basis or regular basis. Now, there's one more thing And this is probably a bit esoteric for some of you that are listening. One of the things I've learned to listen to over the years is where in our bodies symptoms show up. Here's kind of a weird but extreme example. I had a woman in a class I was teaching once at the break uh, ask if she could ask a question. And it was in front of the whole group. And she said it was a really personal question. And I said, do you want to talk? you know, on the side. She said, no, no, it's a small group. I feel comfortable. We've been bonding all morning around health issues anyway. And um, so it was an intimate group. And she said, I have eczema and it's really serious. And I said, well, tell me more about it. She said, well, the weird thing is it's only under my wedding ring. And I said, huh, you know, have you ever been allergic to metal in your jewelry? Do you get any kind of redness or swelling when you wear earrings? And she said, no, never. And I'm not allergic to nickel or silver or gold. And my wedding ring is platinum. I'm not allergic to platinum. You know, she had another ring that she was not reacting to. It was only her wedding ring. And I asked her if she wanted to talk about it. And she burst into tears. She had three children. The youngest was about eight months old. And she started to have suspicion that her husband was having a relationship outside the marriage when she got pregnant with her baby. And sure enough, about a month prior to when she was meeting with me, she found out that her husband indeed was having an affair and she was now having to move back in with her parents who lived 800 miles away. And even though she was grateful to be living with her parents and having the support, she was now leaving all of her friends and her kids' friends or her toddlers and her her older child. So um, it was very traumatic in so many ways, as you can imagine, on so many levels. But it was so astonishing to me. And this is just one kind of glaring example of stories I've heard over and over where our bodies are giving sort of an intuitive message or a signal in a weird kind of way. And some people think it's, you know, woo-woo. I will tell you that I have seen so many incidents of these that when I see it happening, I, I sit up and I take listen. you know, I listen to what the body's really saying. And I find it so interesting 
that our thyroid is in our neck. And our neck is where our voice lives. And one of the symptoms of Hashimoto's is hoarseness. And are we getting tired of trying to get our voices heard? As women, are we not being heard? And how can we use our voices to speak up? You know, you may have heard me say this before, and this is one of the huge reasons that I wrote The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism and autoimmune disease are in so many ways feminist issues or women's issues. And if you're not a feminist, you don't identify with this, at least please bear with me and hear through what I'm saying in that women are the ones who are experiencing almost all of the autoimmune disease in the United States. There are many reasons for this, primarily because we're hormonally sensitive. We have a lot of estrogen cells and a lot of these environmental toxins affect and bind to those cells and trigger autoimmunity, trigger inflammation, bind to our thyroid. And the hormonal cycles we go through in our life cause us some ups and downs in our immune system. Estrogen changes our immune system. But also we're bearing a really heavy brunt of the workload in this country, the emotional load in this country. And a lot of women are now also bearing a lot of the financial load in our country, but also still having to go home and show up there and be great at everything we do. And yet, of all the medical conditions women are struggling with, Hashimoto's and other autoimmune conditions, and also things like chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, anything to do with fatigue, emotions, pain, and weight gain tend to be dismissed by the medical establishment as just all in our heads. The polite modern way of saying all in our heads is you're probably just stressed out, you probably have depression, or you probably have anxiety, and the quickest thing that we're handed is a prescription. One in four women is now on an antidepressant. We know that at least 15% of women with depression have an undiagnosed thyroid problem. We know that 30% of all depression is due to inflammation that has not been addressed. I address these in my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, but it's also about learning to reclaim and use our voices and say that as women, it is time to be heard. It is time to not be dismissed anymore for five years. Now, if you have had an amazing medical provider, I am so glad. And that person's name should be written on a, a hall of fame or a wall of fame for, for other women to find that doctor. But I cannot tell you how many women have come to me after seeing one doctor after another who was too busy or too irritable or too tired or too dismissive or too uneducated about what's really going on to listen. So I want to wrap up there and just say, is the fact that our thyroids are part of what some people call the throat chakra. In Ayurvedic medicine, the throat chakra is the house of our voice. It's the house where we speak up for ourselves. It's the house where we can use our voice to be heard. And how can we use Hashimoto's as an opportunity to tell the medical establishment, to tell ourselves that our voices deserve to be heard? So what can you do? Be a voice for yourself. We talk about that a lot in the Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. I talk about it with women and women talk about it with each other in the 
special Facebook group that you get to join when you get your copy of The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. And please do read my article, How Being a Good Girl Can Be Hazardous for Your Health, because using our voices can actually save our lives and save the lives of those of our family members when they do have to enter into the healthcare world. So six things Hashimoto's is trying to tell us. We've got a lot of fires we're putting out in our lives. We're tired. We're overburning, overburdening ourselves by saying yes to too many things. Our immune systems are confused by chronic inflammation, chronic infections, and chronic cortisol production because of adrenal overdrive. And we're being exposed to toxins and our voices deserve to be heard. Thank you for listening to mine today. And I hope you live your best life until next week with love. Aviva. hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time. <laughs>